He was grateful for the surly sellsword marching ahead of him as he staggered relentlessly onward toward the spider. A softer man than he might have found a quiet nook among the back streets and curled up there until death or morning came, whichever was first. A smarter man might have dipped into his pouch of winnings, hobbled over to a tavern, and drank until sleep took him or the pain stopped. Again, whichever came first. As it was, Haytham was neither soft nor smart, only dogged, and so he trudged on. What is up, you guys? Welcome back for another episode. Crazy to think that it's already been more than a month since we started this story. Question of the day, what is a novel that everyone recommends but that you refuse to read? I've got one locked and loaded, but I want to hear from you guys in the comments. All right, let's get to the good stuff. I'm Josh Call, and this is Last Coliseum. The door slammed shut and the spell that was on them snapped. A hubbub broke across the crowd. A dozen conversations, but everywhere the same. Who was that? Was that him? I thought he died. Those tattoos. And of course, the name. The name swept through them like wildfire. A whispered prayer from apostate lips. A name not spoken in a seven-year. Reaper. But for Lee, there was something else. A long, dead memory floated to the surface of his mind, ugly and misshapen. Years and years ago, another boy in another life had buried it deep, but nothing buried stays so forever. He saw the charcoal wings etched on the backs of the lookers-on, the red man with his red robe, his big hands stained scarlet. The blood ran like water in the channel on the alley floor. Sim squirmed through the throng and found him, still clutching the red man's, the reaper's, ripped tunic like a holy thing. Lee scooped him out of the undertow as the crowd started its relentless push toward the door. Time to go, Sim. The boy didn't argue. It was as he straightened up and craned his neck above the crowd that he saw them, blonde and hook-nosed, bald with a mustache, both of them foul and scowling. Lee knew them immediately, rooster and crask, the jackdaw's brutes. It felt like his stomach had been plunged into a pool of icy water. Had they followed him here? Were they watching him at Paul's? Or was it just his own piss luck? He tried to duck his head below the crowd, praying they hadn't seen it, but it was already too late. For half an instant, his eyes locked with Roos's water-clear ones, and it was all over. He heard an indistinct shout from the back of the crowd, and he saw the bristly bulldog face of Krask forcing his powerful, compact body through the throng. Lee bent down and whispered in Sim's ear, First one outside gets a cinnamon pasty. The boy grinned and plunged ahead through the crowd without a backward look. He could still hear the jackdaw's brutes grunting and swearing after him when they finally broke out onto the alley. He steered Sim down one of the adjoining back streets with controlled urgency. The boy looked sidelong at him but didn't complain. I'll get you the pasty tomorrow, he told the boy, looking back over his shoulder. Do you know the way home from here? Even now, he didn't trust that the thugs wouldn't cut them off before they made it far, and he was loath to think what they'd do if they got their hands on Sim. He'd heard too many rumors about the jackdaw's taste for boys to take the chance. The boy bristled. I'm not a baby. I know the way. Lee nodded. Go. Stay on the wide streets. If anyone talks to you, run the other way. He'd already taken off running as Lee called after him. And if Paul asks why you're back so late... He racked his mind for an excuse and came up empty. Lie. He waited until Sim was swallowed up by the shadows before he started back the way he came. The thugs were still there, along with a handful of spectators. He saw the tall, greasy, slightly bent shape of Rooster hovering over the crowd while Krask scowled and cursed and stomped from one alley to another trying to pick up the thief's trail. 
Lee looked back once to make sure that Sim was well and truly gone. Satisfied, he thrust his hands into his pockets, ducked his head low, and left the boys to their rabbit hunt. Neither man noticed as Lee sauntered down the back street, around the corner, and out of sight. It was only once he was alone, the crisp, midnight breeze playing with the corners of his shirt, that he cautiously drew that dead memory back to the eye of his mind. It couldn't possibly have been the red man, could it? He'd lain there in the alley, shattered and dying with black blood seeping from the wound in his side. The man in the pit hadn't even looked like him. Sure, he'd worn a scraggle of beard, and the red man's face was pounded to mincemeat when he'd seen it all those years back. But still, there was something eerie and awful when the brawler had turned on Sim, his big black wings rippling in the torchlight and gray eyes gleaming with fury. A single word had flashed across Lee's mind when he'd seen it. Vengeance. The throaty rumble of the jacksum drove his thoughts down deep as he approached. A half mile east, he made out a patrol of gray cloaks marching through a nimbus of torchlight on the other side of the river. Beyond them, above the flickering lights of cliffside, the long windows of the gray keep glowed with fire, casting the plunging waterfall below in orange tones. Perhaps a hundred paces ahead of him were two figures bound in the same direction he was, for the stone bridge. One of them was limping, Lee noticed. It wasn't until they stepped through the shaft of firelight thrown from a neighboring window that he saw the cloak, the shoulders, the stoop in his back. The brawler stumbled, and the other one, the one in mercenary leathers, a sword on his belt, steadied him. There he was, red and ugly, plain as day. After, Lee couldn't say precisely when he decided to follow them, but it was at this moment that he slipped into the alleys below the shop fronts and padded softly after them his mind buzzing with the same curiosity that had killed more than a few cut purses before him. They hadn't said anything since leaving the dram house. The sellsword strode briskly through the street several steps ahead of Haytham. The brawler shuffled gamely after him as quickly as he could, wincing with every step. He'd forgotten the toll it took on him. Now that the battle fire had worn off, his body felt like a wine grape after a turn in the treading barrel. His nose felt fat and hot and heavy, his eyes were twin slits he could barely see through. His ribs ached, a fresh bolt of lightning spiking through his body with every breath. He was grateful for the surly sellsword marching ahead of him. The sight of the mercenary fortified him as he staggered relentlessly onward toward the spider. A softer man than he might have cried off of meeting Kingmaker, found a quiet nook among the back streets, and curled up there until death or morning came, whichever was first. A smarter man might have dipped into his pouch of winnings, hobbled over to a tavern, and drank until sleep took him or the pain stopped. Again, whichever came first. As it was, Haytham was neither soft nor smart, only dogged. And so he trudged on. Up ahead, the stone bridge arced across the river, huge and gray and solid over the churning white as the jacksum plunged over the lower falls. At its peak, there was a carriage, plain black and hitched to a dray horse. The driver offered them no acknowledgement as they approached. Haytham's jaw tightened. He recognized the carriage. He hurried to keep pace with the mercenary, not seeing the misshapen flagstone jutting up from the others until his boot thumped into it and the earth rose to meet him. Instantly, a pair of powerful hands caught him by the lapels of his cloak and steadied him. Haytham looked up into the face of the Kadari. His dark, almond-shaped eyes flecked with mica, his teeth bared in a look of vague contempt. Thanks. Haytham grunted. The sellsword muttered something in his harsh desert language and jerked his head toward the bridge, toward the carriage. 
A faint bluish haze hovered on the still night air above the carriage. He couldn't smell anything with his ruined nose, but it stung his eyes as they closed in. Haytham reached for the handle on the carriage door. The sellsword's leather-wrapped hand closed around his wrist. He shook his head. The door was perforated with a series of tiny holes at about head height. A plume of steel-blue smoke gouted through the little openings and made his eyes water. He could almost taste the hot, burning flower stench of the poppy fogging the air. A voice that was low and crooning and terribly familiar issued forth. In the old days, before the Sirens, men used to think the world had no beginning. It was all life, death, rebirth, repeat. How many lives might we have known before this one? Haytham didn't say anything. He heard a slight crackle on the other side of the door and turned his head before the next plume of poppy smoke could find him. It burned in the little cuts and abrasions on his face. You're back, the spider murmured at length. I'm back, and already making a new name for yourself in the pits. You don't waste time, do you? Again, the brawler kept his mouth shut. He was keenly aware of the sellsword standing beside him, half-blocking the carriage door with his body. I knew you'd be back, the spider crooned. I told Randall when you left. The words were out before he could catch them, when you let them gut me. I said, mark my words, he'll be back, or he'll be dead inside a moon. I'm pleased it was the former. I spent a lot of coin saving your neck. Haytham's jaw tightened. He remembered waking up in the back of the car buried under half a bale of straw, leagues from home. He'd bayed like a wounded animal, ignored the monks who'd smuggled him out and crawled a half mile back before collapsing in the dust. I lost everything. His throat was tight. He almost choked on the words. You did that to yourself. The spider's voice was without sympathy. Power poisons a man. You had knives pointing at you from a dozen directions. I assumed you'd sooner keep your life and lose the rest than lose it all. But if I was wrong... The carriage door popped slightly open. The sellsword drew it wide. Inside, the gray man swept a well-manicured hand toward the brink, where the river cascaded far, far down to the cracked hardpan below. By all means, take a dive, the spider offered. Otherwise, let's take a ride. And you can explain why you've been threatening barkeeps coming after me. Haytham didn't consider long. If Kingmaker wanted him dead, he'd have done it already. He clambered into the darkened confines of the carriage. The gray man's face was wreathed in shadow. His gray-streaked mustachio bristled as he smirked. He flicked two fingers to the sellsword, and the Kadari wedged himself beside the brawler and pulled shut the carriage door. Now, normally, Lee had the good sense to know not to interfere with whatever unsavory business Red Ugly was engaged in, but he was also terribly curious, and in the hours past midnight, his good sense had long since blown out the reading light. Relative to the other deadly pastimes of a street boy turned thief, wagon hopping was child's play. A few years back, he'd spend whole days clinging to the back end of merchant carts as they trundled to market or back toward the gates. His feet whispered along the cobbles as he darted across the stone bridge, staying crouched low to the ground. 
The driver flicked the horse's reins and the carriage rumbled forward. Lee sprang into the air, his dark hair streaming behind him, and landed with his feet on the rear axle, knuckles white around the trim above the cab. The carriage shuddered only slightly as he landed. I looked at the old place first, came a voice from inside the carriage. Unfortunate mishap, that replied another more melodious voice that matched neither the brawler nor the sellsword. I found it prudent to relocate. Too many unsavory fellows with black intentions knowing where to find me. He heard a slight crackle from inside the carriage, and the sickly hot stench of sweet milk floated past his nose. You should feel lucky, the voice continued. Most men who come looking for me are taken care of. The casualness of the threat made a shiver course down Lee's spine. Why not me? muttered the brawler. At least Lee assumed it was the brawler. You're a curiosity. I'll admit, I've always been eager to see a dead man walk again. Something about that voice plucked a dim cord of recognition in the back of Lee's mind. It made the hairs on his nape stand on end. It's less impressive than I would have thought. So... The voice murmured at length as the thunder of the river receded into the distance. Why don't you tell me, Haytham, out of all the wide world, why you'd come back to the city that chewed you up and spat you out again? The brawler whispered something Lee couldn't make out. It was quickly followed by a burst of laughter from the other man. And how are you going to do that? Lee hunkered down and pressed his ear to the thin wooden siding of the carriage. His legs were already numb to the knees. He's a powerful man now. Friends in the keep, the faith, the brethren. If you came back hoping he'd finish you off proper, that'd be the way to do it. Just point me to him, Red Ugly rumbled. That's it. He's the second best protected man at the edge next to the governor. What's your plan? Hit him till he stops moving. Simple and straight, crowed the other man. Same Haytham. If I told you where he is, you'd be dead before the turn is out. The carriage door opened a crack and Lee ducked low. He saw the green ember of a sweet milk cigarette arc into a puddle with a hiss. The door snapped shut. Why don't you relax and enjoy life? I'm expanding down in Larkspur. If you're itching to hit something, I can start you at the top. I'm not going anywhere, the brawler grunted. Now listen. Lee could hear a note of pique in the other man's voice. You've got no business coming back here and waving your fists around. It upsets the natural order of things. Your enemies have longer memories than you think. How long do you wager before the brethren hear that the seven years dead reaper's been resurrected in the fighting pits? The brethren... Lee had heard about the merchant lords, every thug or cut purse who scrounged for his living along the city's underbelly had. Not an iron farthing came or went from the city on the cliff without first passing through their coffers. Supposedly, they had a hand in every business, a finger in every pie, licit or not. Suppose that depends on you, the brawler replied. They'll use any means they have to draw you out and run you down. Have you been to see Amatha yet? Red Ugly didn't say anything. If you think they won't use her to get to you, a sniff. Well, that knife in your side didn't teach you much. Lee's stomach tightened. In a flash, he remembered that voice. 
The gray man in his gray silks watching without affect as dark blood puddled around the fallen brawler. The carriage rumbled into the golden quarter. Lee grit his teeth and swept his gaze along the sides of the road. There were always a few keeper patrols doing their rounds, even at midnight. If they caught a glimpse of him, sixteen years old in a patched tunic on the wrong side of town, clinging to the back of a carriage, they'd have questions. The sorts of questions that ended with irons clamped around his wrists. Suppose that was better than what the gray man would do if he got his hands on Lee. The thief grinned wolfishly and crouched low. He was like a little boy waving his hand over a burning wick. It filled him with a twisted sort of pleasure and fear and excitement to see how close he could come without getting burned. Haytham stared at the spider, his brow creased in the natural scowl that was graven into the granite block of his features. Kingmaker ran his fingers through his hair, which was thinner and grayer than the brawler remembered. I have a proposition for you. He bobbed his head slightly for the gray man to get on with it. His face was inscrutable. Forget, Elias. For now, he amended quickly as the fighter opened his mouth to reply. Lalo, keep in touch. He leaned forward so that the droplets of moonlight that shone through the holes in the doors spilled across his features. His eyes were bright as ever and underscored with deep circles. And when the time is right, I will point you straight at him. Haytham kept his face carefully blank. It was exactly what he'd come for. He couldn't find Elias without Kingmaker. But the gray man from seven years back never did anything unless he stood to gain from it. And then, as now, the brawler didn't trust him any farther than he could throw him. What's in it for you? The intrinsic joy of an act of charity. The spider drawled, rolling his eyes. And, between now and then, I'll have you do a few chores for me. Chores, he shrugged. Mucking out stables, killing rats. I'll tell you when the time comes. A grin unfurled across his cheeks. What say you, Haytham? Partners? He extended one well-manicured hand to the brawler to shake. Again, he didn't have to think long about it. But even so, there was a trickle of unease in the back of his mind as he reached out and clasped Braden Kingmaker by the forearm. Hey! Even before the shout had faded, even before the carriage had fully stopped, the door was opened and the sellsword was springing out, his short sword drawn. Haytham heard the clank of armored feet and saw four gray cloaks speeding toward them, one of them pointing past the carriage at a neighboring alley. A dark shape was speeding down the back street. It vaulted onto a rickety staircase and sprang onto the neighboring rooftop. The spider's man whipped an arm out. Something silver flashed out of his hand and buried itself in the railing on the stairs just before the figure swept over the roof and out of sight. The sellsword spat something in his mother tongue as he turned back. Haytham didn't need to speak Kadari to know a curse when he heard one. Kingmaker hadn't moved. He watched the sellsword as he sheathed his weapon and turned toward the gray cloaks. Ka'araha uyabazea, the gray man articulated. The mercenary gave a minute nod as he met the keepers in the middle of the street. Haytham saw him reach into his pocket, and for half an instant he thought it was for another knife. Then he saw the flash of gold in the soldier's torchlight. We're here. Haytham looked at the spider. He was holding a small wrought iron key. The head was shaped like an elaborate, curly-cued E. Haytham raised an eyebrow. Top floor on your left. Remember what I said. 
what you're giving up. Haytham looked at him blankly. The gray man made a little shooing motion toward the door, which was still slightly ajar. Get out. The driver flicked the reins, and the carriage jerked into motion. The brawler stumbled as he hit the cobbles. He looked down at the key in his hand, and then to the sellsword, who was still haggling with the gray cloaks. One of the keepers looked past him at Haytham, the face below his gleaming salad, dark with mistrust. On the other side of the street, the brawler saw the door. The polished dark wood was inlaid with ivory in the shape of a woman, long and spectral with indistinct features. Her hair was framed around her face, and her lower limbs dissolved in wispy tendrils. The rest of the door was filigreed silver, on her chest a large letter E in swirling gold script. The lettering was identical to that on the iron key. The brawler drew his hood and swept into the tavern before the guard could call him over, his driftwood fist of vice around the iron key. His hand left a red smear on the gilt. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe and hit the notification bell and share it with a friend. I really want this story to go out and reach as many people as possible. All right, so I looked it up and the Hunger Games movie came out in 2012. Everyone was recommending me to check it out. And so I did and I opened it up and I could not get to the end of the first page. What do you think? Is the book amazing? Should I give it another try? What stories are you stubbornly refusing to read? Let me know. I'll catch you guys next week.